This is the Voices of Social Change podcast, brought to you by Barry University School of Social Work. Hi, and welcome to Episode 7 of the Voices of Social Change podcast, brought to you by Barry University School of Social Work. We were on a bit of a hiatus, but we're back and ready to bring you exciting new content and new perspectives of the Voices of Social Change throughout Barry University and our community. Before we begin, I'd like to remind everyone to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at BarryUSSW, subscribe to this podcast, and check out our website, barry.edu forward slash social work, in order to get a load of all of the events that we have going on, as well as new certificate program dates. This episode, I sit down with Ayana Gonzalez and Odette Sanchez, two BSW students and community advocates for our Center for Human Rights and Social Justice. These exceptional students share their captivating stories as community advocates and their passion growing as BARU social workers. To learn more about our Center for Human Rights and Social Justice, visit barry.edu forward slash chrsj. Enjoy the episode. Hi, I'm here with Ayana Gonzalez and Odette Sanchez, community advocates for the Center for Human Rights and Social Justice under Ray University School of Social Work. You guys want to introduce yourselves? Hi, my name is Odette Sanchez, and I am a social work BSW student. And my name is Ayana Gonzalez, and I am also a BSW student. And you guys are community advocates for the center. So what what is what does that mean? Community advocate is a person, or in this case, a student, who is engaged within the Center of Human Rights and Social Justice and provides services based on resources out into the community, both within campus and without campus. Yes, and we also provide a lot of awareness and educate others with like tabling presentations. Throughout the community. Yes, throughout the community. So the Center for Human Rights focuses on these five specific pillars. Can we talk a little bit more about the pillars and how you as community advocates individually correlate with a specific pillar? Right, so for me, combating human trafficking is what I'm working, the project that I'm doing this semester. Basically bringing awareness to human trafficking because a lot of people are not aware of that modern day slavery still exists. You know, they think slavery is is a thing of the past. But um, human trafficking is so common and so many people don't even know it. It it could happen right in your backyard and you wouldn't even. So I think education when it comes to human trafficking or just combating human trafficking or pillars is very important. And also for the second one, preventing sexual victimization. Last semester, I was the lead for the Sexual Assault Awareness Month. And we also did a lot of awareness when it comes to sexual assaults. And you were just featured in our... CCSI, which is the Center for Community Services Initiative newsletter for um, your work with sexual assault survivors, that, that yes. community. Yes. Want to talk about that a little bit? Sure. So Jamie, one of the community advocates, she gave me the idea to make like petition to, if somebody comes to you and tells you that they've been sexually assaulted in any ways, that you would be there, you know, to hear them and to help them and, you know, not to make them feel like they're lying or anything. So... She had one section for that so that they could send a petition for it. And then in the other section, she had comments that you would tell that person. So mm-hmm. it was really nice to see, like, the comments that they wrote and, like, the signatures. And um, it was really, it wasn't very surprising. Um, most of them were women. Like, mm-hmm. men weren't really, like, oh, you would tell them about the petition. And they were like, ah. So that was interesting mm-hmm. to see. But that's really neat that it's, these are our student-centered or student-led um, initiatives through the center yes. for human rights yes. but it's it's 
mostly student-led. Yes, yes, right? absolutely. That's really neat. And it's also something that needs to be promoted on a even larger scale here at the university. Mm -hmm. It needs to, I think most students need to be more aware of what um, date rape is oh, yes. about all of these things that many of them face. Statistics are showing that one in five women are date raped. And that is a, a study done for university statistics. And so what are we doing about it here? How are we promoting that on campus? Yes. Why is that not a part of our curriculum? Right. right. Not just the School of Social Work, I'm talking yeah, university-wide. Yes. yes. So it's good that you guys are starting to bring awareness yes. even mm -hmm. throughout the campus. So um, some of the other pillars, creating inclusive communities, sexual and gender diverse individuals. Yeah, do you work with that population? Yes, more? yes. As an out transgender Latina woman, I am very active in promoting awareness both on campus as well as outside of campus through diverse activities that we take on. Uh, for example, we do the Pride Line Thanksgiving food drive in which we bring, um, we, we, it, it's basically a, a university-wide campaign to collect food to feed homeless LGBTQ youth that is local in our community. And so what that does is it brings the students, the staff, the faculty together to campaign and bring in food and let's all be part of this program, right? Also, as president of the Pride in Action group here on campus, it's, it's, about, it's not about fighting for rights. It's about peacefully reaffirming individuality, diversity, and empowerment. It's about recognizing that LGBTQ plus people are very strong and resilient people who are waking up and facing a world that wants to erase them especially the transgender community, with all of the hate, violence, and crimes that we've been experiencing. And the last two pillars um, is advancing trauma-informed research, education, and practice, and promoting wellness in marginalized communities. I know for the trauma-informed research, education, and practice, we have um, certificate programs geared towards um, teaching the community and professionals uh, what trauma-informed care really is um, and how to go about that in their, within their agencies and promoting wellness in marginalized communities. So we got to go to Immokalee and learn about the farm workers um, and how they're being underpaid still, you know, for all the work that they do. And I also learned about Wendy's. They don't work with the with the farm workers agency, I guess you could say, mm -hmm. um, that promote their well being. In other words, they they work with those farm workers that are being deprived of clean food, shelter, breaks between their work. They get paid like cents, thirty cents an hour or something. And it's just really heartbreaking to see that they're still, I mean, a company so big, as big as Wendy's, you know, would still work with such um, organizations. But yeah, you heard it here first. Don't go to Wendy's. If you're at the <laughs> Wendy's drive through right now. That's right. Turn around. <laughs> Another one of the ways that we promote wellness in marginalized communities is through the PACE program that we interact with. At PACE, we deal with low-income and medium-income girls. Most of them have been um, victims of trauma at some level, whether emotional, physical, um, or mental, or all three. 
And so it is a little bit of a difficult population to work with because it takes a lot of understanding about how it is that we can sit down and have a conversation and really assist them in opening up and developing skills like trust, listening, understanding, accepting. Mm -hmm. And so this is where the advancing, the trauma-informed research comes in. What we do is we take research studies. We're right now engaging in an interactive dialogue research with Carolina Rios, the coordinator for the Center of Human Rights and Social Justice. And it is just one that is centered on opening up the girls. Let's talk about who we are. Let's talk about what is important to us, what is not important to us, why we feel one way, why we don't feel another way. And then as a facilitator, I have to make sure that when I come into that space, I am aware of the type of people that are sitting in front of me. What is my awareness? Where am I seated in myself that I can listen and truly grasp what's going on there and try to bring that out without having to point a finger at it Mm -hmm. so that they speak it, so that they learn to trust, so that they learn to, to feel comfortable talking about things that otherwise are these big, huge monsters in their heads. Yeah, well, I think it also helps that we are um, being educated by a trauma-informed of course. school, you know. So everything that we do is very, like, trauma-informed. Mm-hmm. Even in the Center for Human Rights, we see trauma everywhere, and we know how to, like, identify it by our yes. classes and implement everything that we're learning in the class in our work. We now interrupt this podcast to bring you a quick social work statistic. Hi, I'm Danielle Kohler, staff at Barry University School of Social Work. Did you know... Becoming a trauma-informed classroom requires a paradigm shift in how we think about classroom management. It goes against what is learned regarding students' behavioral challenges and our classroom discipline approaches. If implemented, it will have a ripple effect across the entire school environment and culture. To learn more about trauma-informed student support services in schools and our social work program, Visit barry.edu slash social work. And now back to the episode. Okay, so let's back up a little bit because mm-hmm. we're talking about what you've been doing. So how did you get to learn about the center, get to learn about community advocates and how to become one? How, how was that journey for you guys? For me, when I was a paid student, I was working at campus ministry then. And when I started the school of social work that I did the switch, I knew that campus ministry, though I loved it there and I had a lot of fun and learned a lot, I believed it was time to make a shift because this shift by working at the Center for Human Rights and Social Justice would align with what I was learning. And so it has been that. It has been taking all of my education and everything that I'm hearing from my professors and putting it into practice. It gives me the hands-on ability to to just put it into practice and really hone it so that when I move out from here after I graduate, of course, you know, I want to come back as a professor, but uh, with everything else that I'm going to do, um, I want to be very aware of everything that I've learned here. Um, for me, well, I, I heard about the center actually through Ayana. <laughs> 
she recommended me to Carolina and I'm very thankful that she got me the community advocate job. Um, I think what drew me to the center to um, working there, besides Ayana, um, was, <laughs> <laughs> was the fact that I get to implement everything that I am learning, you know, so. And you know, from one colleague to another, it has been an amazing journey to watch her grow, mm -hmm. to watch how how these principles that we're learning, how these assignments that we're learning and doing, how they come to life through our work. Mm -hmm. So it, it really goes hand in hand. It's like one feeds the other. Yeah. And, you know, I know that I've grown as an individual, yes. but it's always much easier to see when looking at someone else, right. you know, yeah. to see how someone is just flourishing and coming outside of their shell, you know. For the future students who are listening in now and may be interested in becoming a community advocate, mm -hmm. do you guys have any tips with the, the process, the logistical process to becoming a community advocate? But, or well, what do you recommend for them? Get ready to come out of your shell, <laughs> out of your comfort zone, yeah. um, because you have to be an advocate for those that don't, I don't want to say that they don't have a voice, but those that are oppressed, you know, that's what I had to do. I had to come out of my shell and I, I still, I, mean, I still am, but yeah, that's the main thing that I would tell them. What about the workload? Because you guys are, do a lot for the center and a lot for mm -hmm. um, these communities, but doing that as well as being full-time undergraduate students. How are you guys balancing all of that? The workload is only as big and as much as the individual wants to take on because Carolina is very, very fair with that mm -hmm. and very aware of the need for self-care. Mm -hmm. Yet, for myself, that I feel it's one thing after the other. Mm -hmm. And I am continuously doing because I have taken pretty much, I have taken on everything because I don't want to miss a beat. Mm -hmm. For me, it's been possible because I remain aware, I remain in the present, in mindfulness, that in this moment right now, I am safe and everything is okay. And if it were to get too much, I can step back. Mm -hmm. However, I don't want to step back. I just want to step forward because I love it, because I enjoy it, because I'm living it, because it makes my life worthy of everything that I'm doing. And just the thought when I go to sleep at night that today I did something that could assist people. And, you know, we don't have to talk about marginalized communities also within our own community, our own social circles how we show up, what we're imparting others with our actions, with the words that we speak, with, you know, how we relate to others, how we listen to others can create such change. So it is being an advocate 24-7. Yes. You know, as long as my sleep is not being altered, yes. as long as my grades are staying where they need to be. Yes. As long as I am not in a place of stress where I am not functioning, mm -hmm. you know, I can make it to you even easier to understand. It's not about being stressed. Stressed when you're a student and you're taking all of this on is normal. Mm -hmm. 
Right. What I need to avoid is distress. Mm. Because distress means that there is something that is incongruent in my behavior with what I'm doing. So therefore, it's about just being present and doing what I do and understanding that stress, I have no power. I have power over stress. Stress doesn't have power over me. And I feel like, and I'm speaking as an outsider looking in, like the center and, and our professors, our faculty members, they also boast wellness and mindfulness oh, and yes. kind of yeah. paying attention to your yourself and how, mm-hmm. you, um, how you're feeling constantly. Yeah. So that kind of helps. I agree. I believe that our staff, um, when it comes to faculty, I believe that we have an amazing faculty. I love the support that we get. I love their their genuineness and showing up and speaking to the student individually and knowing who the student is, understanding their issues, working through the issues uh, for assignments, for class projects, whatever it is. And then just the fact that they made a choice to stand there and to share their wealth of knowledge with us, to me, is invaluable. Yeah, and this semester we actually had to write a paper about self-care for yes. trauma, our trauma class. And yeah, they're always stressing, you know, self-care yes. is very important, especially for this profession. Mm-hmm. You know, what you could do, like mindfulness, meditation, yoga, you know. How do you feel um, your experience as a community advocate has will help you grow in your educational professional future? Mm-hmm. Well, Other than what you guys have already said, yeah. Right. <laughs> I mean, how... Well, it gives you that first-hand experience um, on being an advocate. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, um, it's part of being social, social worker. For me, it's been about not sitting down and reading people, mm-hmm. but connecting with people. Mm-hmm. Really honing in on what is being said, why they're saying what they're saying, how it is that they're saying what they're saying, and just really connecting with that and coming into a place of understanding that that person is exactly where they need to be. And what it is that I can do, maybe it's just listen. In many instances, all we have to do is just listen. And that alone can be cathartic for a person. Yeah. Other times, then, we impart what we learn. We impart, you know, teaching a little bit about mindfulness or sharing it and allowing people to make their choices. I see myself everywhere I go as a person of power and knowledge and vulnerability, bringing to people the awareness by example of what it is to turn within, what it is to listen, what it is to embody what we already are, which is so much more than we believe we are. And... Again, listening, listening to people, it has changed me. Mm-hmm. It has changed me to listen and and really be empathetic to the other person. Yeah, I agree. And let's finish on, do you guys have any future projects through the center that you guys are working on? Or something we can look forward to? I know, Ayala, you, you just, as in a few hours ago, finish a Transgender Day of Remembrance event here in Yes, that was beautiful. Yeah, yeah. And that was truly pictures. beautiful. We came together to mourn the lives lost mm-hmm. of the transgender people who have lost it through violence and hate crimes. 
And it was a very touching and moving experience. And it just brings awareness that there's so much to do. There's still so much to do, not just for trans people, for all marginalized communities. You know, we're in times where the political temperature is so high and hot right now. And there's so much suppression going on by a minute few, yet it seems like they have all the control. And I think it's time for us, you know, this is a time for the social worker to step up and out and use their voice and speak for others who are not able to speak for themselves. Very important time for you guys. Yeah. Yes. And um, for me, I, well, I'm going to take the human trafficking awareness thing even further. I'm going to get trained and, and I'm going to be presenting at churches and high schools. That's awesome. Yeah, about human trafficking and educating them about it. So bringing more awareness, which is very important. And we will also be bringing through the center more um, gender-directed dialogues into colleges and high schools and even adult organizations. So we're already working that we have one college that has agreed to it. Oh, great. Um, starting in January for the spring semester. Oh, and so it's going to be all research-based. Yes. Okay, can't wait to hear about that. Yeah. All right. Um, do you guys have any final thoughts? Anything you want to... A word to the students. Take it on. Don't be afraid. Jump in and just let life carry you because the only place that it can carry you is into the discovery that you are so much more than you believe you are today. Yes. Dr. Williams would say, lean into the discomfort. That's right. And be there and sit there. Stretch. (laughs) Really stretch. Thank you guys for coming and doing this. I know you guys are really busy as we just discussed, but thank you for taking the time. Yes, it's a joy. Thank you, Laura, for all that you do and all that you bring. You're awesome. Thank you for listening to the Voices of Social Change podcast brought to you by Bear University School of Social Work. To keep up to date with all of our news and events, please visit our website, barry.edu forward slash social work.